Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Podcast for review and take yourself or the game too seriously. I'm JB. Probably talking over the music, which is far too loud. <laughs> That's better. And I, as always, am with Phil. Hello, Philip. Hello, Jonathan. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm okay. How's it going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just sort of straining to touch the mixer and all the rest of it. But yeah, I'm actually okay. <laughs> and down the line, it's Tim Cocker. Hello, Tim Cocker. Good evening, gentlemen. Yeah, from the Egg Chasers shipping container, which... Um, it's come back via Greek shipping. That's one of the things they do do quite well. It, and yes, then they do. It, wasn't, it wasn't used, though. But I appreciate you sending it over to Greece nonetheless. Well, I mean, you've got to get, get, to, get to your holiday destination somehow, Tim. <laughs> I mean, in, in my defence, there was only like 20 minutes warning you gave. And that just happened to the WhatsApp messages you sent just happened to have been done whilst there was a massive storm uh, in well, the local area. You, you work hard enough as it is, mate. You take some time off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Reading, well, all you, anyway. reading all your books about how the moon landing was faked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, before we get into this marvellous podcast that we have for you this week, remember you can find us on Twitter, at Rugby Podcast, or leave us a review on, on Apple. It's Apple Podcasts. It is Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. or wherever you get your, your pods. Yeah, all those sort of things. And also find us on Instagram and Facebook and, and all those things. But let's start with this. The news. Yeah, we're going to do two podcasts, right? We're going to separate like an autumn international build-up pod for yeah. tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yeah, but there's plenty to talk about today. Well, we've had the Highland Sailing Premiership Cup, which you actually went to one of these games live, didn't you, Tim? Two. Uh, Saracens, Leicester, and then Exeter, uh, Newcastle, Exeter, yeah. Uh, excellent. And I-, I noticed that there was a draw up in Kingston Park. There was, yeah. Um, I... I- more keenly, con- more closely contested those games than I was anticipating they would be in both cases. So yeah, it looked like there was some decent rugby on show this weekend. There's some some good names to watch out for. Um, well, I tell you yeah. what, did you see? Oh, who's the young lad who was playing this week? Um, uh, what's his name? Hang on, it'll come to me in a second. Um, oh, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Huhard. Do you see him? <laughs> young lad, Derek Huhard. Uh, uh, and who's the other? Oh, uh, um, Duncan Weir. Duncan Weir. Yeah, uh, yeah. Francois Venter. Francois Venter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a young, uh, and young, young Bryce Heem. Young Bryce Heem. Uh, Adam. Uh, Josh Adams. Have you heard of him? He's <laughs> coming through well, the ranks. I, I want to come to the defence of Worcester on this one because there's no actual directive anywhere that says this is a development competition. No, That's just how right. most clubs use it. No, but Wor- Worcester chose to rest their players during Europe. And uh, I think five weeks off for a player would be too long. Yeah, yeah. I did wonder this. I, I, you know, I don't see any problem with it at all. I mean, you're meant to use the competitions to the best benefit of your club, aren't you? And if they think this is a good springboard for them to go into the autumn internationals and pick up some points against teams which are missing players, good, good on them. Yeah, they've won probably four now on the bounce Yeah, with that. So the Bristol, the two European games, and then... Uh, gave he- Sale a bit of a hiding. Yeah, do you know what? I think they're going to be a handful. I really do. You look at... But, so, two things have made me think this. Not the 
beating down of some kids from Sale. Uh, <laughs> but they are a tough team to play against. They've had some very close games, notably against Wasps. They've, they've won a few, a few good ones too. But more importantly, the Cheetahs are on a bit of a losing streak. In fact, not anymore. They, they, they won against Cardiff. But I don't think it's a coincidence that they lose their coach, Rory Duncan. He's come over to Worcester, and now they're playing like a very formidable side. Mm, they're playing some good stuff. They are, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Newcastle have, have gathered a bit of form, though, haven't they? As well, that, so that that you can't imagine them if they play the way they did in Europe when the Premiership returns. That they're going to be at the bottom of the table for for very long as well. So it's going to get very interesting. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean that must be a club who are bouncing though, because obviously they got to top four, they went to playoffs. It might have been a bit. In fact, there might have been a bit of a hangover from that success. And now they're right back into it. They've got a win against Toulon, a win against Mont- uh, Montpellier. Someone in the Premiership is going to get an absolute hiding. Yeah, you say a hangover. So we spoke before about um, a few of their players retiring, losing some of their experienced players, and that will affect them. But also, if you achieve top four, there is a target on your back. Yeah. So everyone wants to beat you. So it, it has made it a bit harder, but they're in a good place now. Yeah, so uh, when the, well, is the Premiership back next week? Is it more Premiership Cup? Two more weeks of Premiership Cup. Yes! And then, <laughs> then there's two rounds of Premiership. Right. Well, do you know what I was thinking with this? Because some people, you know, um, talk down on this competition or whatever its previous incarnations were, Anglo-Welsh Cup, the LV. LV Cup, or whatever. But without it, for English rug- Engl- fans of English rugby clubs, there would be no rugby for three weeks. <sighs> so, here you go. Right. I'm not a massive fan of it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it is fun to watch the kids and all the rest of it. But if you're going to have a club competition, do it in two ways. Uh, no, actually, if you're going to develop the kids, do it in two ways. One, send all the kids out to get regular rugby all the time at clubs like Bedford and London Scottish or Sale FC or wherever it is. Just send them out. You don't need them in, in the academy all the time. Have them playing week in, week out. And then if you need them, you can rescind their loan or whatever it is that, that you do. Now, I know a lot of that goes on anyway. Yeah. Fine. Number two, if you really need a club cup competition, which I don't think you do, but if you really do, wouldn't this be the best time to see a mixture of a championship, Div 1 and premiership clubs playing each other ah, in a real cup? That's interesting. I mean, it wouldn't last very long. I mean, there'd be a couple of all championship ma- um, matches and, you know, there might be the occasional premiership championship game and they wouldn't you know they wouldn't necessarily do too well against the premiership teams but that's the whole point of cup, cup competition isn't it it's the romance I like that idea because they used to do the the old cup God. yeah in the amateur days though in the amateur days it's uh, yeah, but... it would be lambs to the slaughter for below championship level so well hopefully they'd be gone by now because you play do you like the FA Cup the big teams only coming in the third round yeah so you, know, so you would expect that well, even some national one teams would would fancy their chances on a cup day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Sale FC. <laughs> there is no in rugby now. I can't think of any competition in the world where there is just a straight knockout. No, um, not in rugby. No, other than the San Francisco Sevens. Yes. yes. Good, yeah, you're right. Good reference, Phil. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> which which when it happened earlier this year, I remember having that exact thought. This is a bit weird. Yeah. It's just a straight knockout. Uh, I'm trying to think of any. I mean, the, the <laughs> Lancashire Cup? Uh, yes, lower, much lower level. Yeah, it's also... Awesome. I used to go to the Pilkington Cup final every year oh, really? with a, a couple of coach loads from Newbury Rugby Club. And I remember one of my favourite uh, rugby days out was when Newbury, uh, we were coming up through the leagues and drew Leicester Tigers away in the cup. So... And... And pushed them pretty close because they were going out on someone's stag do that <laughs> night and they weren't very focused <laughs> on the game. Well, a couple of ones I remember. Uh, per Temp Bees beating Wasps. Do you remember that one? Yeah. That uh, Mark Woodrow got the drop yes, goal or something to win. That's the one. I played with him. Uh, yeah. Where, where, where did he go after that? Did he go um, to the leagues or did he just stay where he was at, at Per Temp? Didn't he have a little... Yeah, I think he had a little flutter in some in one top top team and then he just he, he sort of hovered around in the championship and... Uh, yeah. Uh, what was the other? I'll tell you another one as well. When Bristol were in, well, what's now the championship or Division One, 
they were one game away from playing their local rivals, Ding's Crusaders, if Crusaders would have won <laughs> that game. There's like, I don't know, four or five <laughs> levels between them. So, you know, they're all cool stories. It doesn't have to be right at the top of the game. It can be throughout. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a cup competition back. Yeah, and the, the old giant killing might happen once in a blue moon, but it'd be worth it. We've got, hey, listen, there's plenty of news to talk about, though, besides, isn't there? We, we, we can talk about Bledisloe 3. Can we? Um, well, yeah, in fact, let's talk about that in the context of other games. So okay. I, I imagine if you're an Australian or a New Zealand fan, as much as you like seeing, you know, games against your, your big rival, three every year is getting a bit much, isn't it? And and also, when you tie that in with the fact that Wales are playing Scotland this coming weekend and Ireland are playing Italy this coming weekend, out of an international window, without a bunch of their players... It just looks like money is is ruling the roost in rugby. Well, um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I'm not sure if that's quite correct. Um, but money is what? massively, massively important. Is it ruling the roost? No, I don't think. I don't think it is necessarily. But well, what other reason is there? What reason is there for Wales v Scotland this weekend? Besides oh. just cash. Yeah, actually, you are right on that. That is pure cash, and actually, Blood is Low Three is pure cash hosted pure in cash. Japan. Yeah, but I don't think that everything in... I mean, there is some, some Twitter posts like, everything is now about cash, and I don't believe that for a second. Because you only need to look at, you know, yeah, player safety initiatives, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you, you know, it isn't quite as bad as we make out. But unless, these, unless these are two you take the clinical egregious... view that that's avoiding a class-action lawsuit in the future and ultimately comes down to cash. There is that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you, we, ha- we are unfortunate that two of the most egregious games of the calendar happen to be within one week of each other, which is Blood is Low 3, no one wants to see that, and this ridiculous, ridiculous Wales-Scotland game. Wales-Scotland is the most... I, I, I always quite like a, a Blood is Low Cup, so I would happily have three if it fits in with the calendar. The Wales-Scotland thing, I think, is, is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, now, you can have to fill in the blanks from here. I thought this game was arranged either for no, just an additional fixture, which they then bolted on the Doddy Weir um, charity raising awareness thing for. So, or, or did they set the it Doddy up? Weir Cup, isn't it? They're, they're playing for. Yeah, but did they come up with that after the fixture, or did they come up with that before the so. fixture? I think I think that came up. I, I don't quote me on this, but I think that came after after the fixture was already arranged. Right, OK. So, if you like, that game was then appropriated for something else late, later on. Yeah. OK. Now, I, w- I don't like attributing malice where I can attribute uh, incompetence. <laughs> if you're not familiar with this story... They've they've called this the Doddy Weir Cup or whatever it they may have, be called. They're competing for the Doddy Weir Cup. Weir uh, Cup. However, Doddy Weir's foundation is getting zero cash from the Doddy Weir Cup, which is a little bit strange, because yeah. presumably they'll be using Doddy Weir in all of their pre-match no, po- no pre-match um, promotion in order to get people through the gates. Yes, uh, correct. I think. I think you're right, it does seem to be incompetence rather than malice. Yeah. And then to get called up on it and then defend the position rather than say, oh, yeah, we, d- we just didn't think, yeah, of course we're going to donate even a small percentage of the gate receipts or, or whatever I, I wonder what to the charity. The, wonder what the thought what, was what like. What defence did they give, firstly? What, what, what have they said? Because how did they defend this? Well, they've just said that they're not, but they will continue to make significant contributions through other things that they do to uh, the MND I mean, charity. I think there is that. If I had a charity and I could bolt it on to a cup and you know throw it into an international game, I think it'd be val- think it'd be valuable. But it's just bad visuals rather than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I- and to it's- answer your question, Tim, how do they defend it? Both the unions looked at each other and pointed. <laughs> uh, specifically, right. the Scottish Union pointed. And the, the Welsh direction. Union. The Welsh Union. Like, oh, well, uh, we thought you guys covered <laughs> yeah, it. We yeah. thought you guys covered it. Yeah. What? <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, well, what worries me about that is I, I don't. It won't be a, a sold-out principality stadium, and uh, you just hope that there wasn't some marketing guy going. Yeah, this will do really well. This this will get more people to come along, as you as you sort of mentioned, JB, because oh, yeah. people might 
that you might tap into that but uh, you know that rug- the rugby community has shown time and again how how wonderful it is when when thing things happen and doddy weir's plight he's already seen the support that the the game has given him and and some people might actually who are sitting on the fence 50 50 go oh do you know what go on then yeah exactly so look at all the goodwill generated by the rob horn game yeah you know so yeah it does work and rightly so because people want to you know support their heroes that played rugby in the past but this just seems like so badly thought through uh in such bad communication the, uh, you know, it is what it, it is. Yeah, it's definitely incompetent. It's hopefully not, but <laughs> you can't rule it out at this stage. Um, egregious and scandalous. Yeah. But um, we'll see if they do the right thing. Hopefully they will. But the game itself, I just do not see the point. Yes. It feels like you've got such... Well, there's two things. So it's such a good opportunity in these Autumn Internationals to uh, play teams from all around the world, not yep. not a team that you play every single year, at least once a year. Um, and also, so any tests outside the uh, the full test window so that players are unavailable, I kind of just think, what's the point? Yep, agreed. Agreed. And, you know, it, the autumns used to be the most boring time of the year. Now, South Africa versus England in three test matches, don't care. <laughs> you know, or, you know... They used to do this, wasn't they? Australia, South Africa, Australia again. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah. And now it's really interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, because the, because it's the games are treated so seriously. Yeah. So everyone is trying to have, whether home or away, playing three or four different teams, everyone is trying to have a successful autumn international, yeah. which means winning more than you lose and testing yourself against some of the best teams who all operate in different ways as well, rather than like repetition, repetition, repetition. And also the tier twos. It feels like the barbarian hordes are descending upon <laughs> the European teams, and it's brilliant. So why Wales need to play Scotland when they could have given that game to Georgia or Japan or someone is just... Yeah, or... Cash. Cash. Yeah, you're right, you're right. It's and, cash. And, and, and cash... You know, some people will say, well, that's, that's how the regions get funded. And it is. Uh, you know what? It's probably right. It is. And there was some uh, some stats coming out of Ireland uh, that I saw last week, uh, shared on Twitter by Catherine Kavanagh, uh, that was showing it is the internationals that pump in an enormous percentage of the money into uh, the, the stats she showed was um, into Irish rugby. It showed just how important cash is, not just for the Irish game, the the national game, not just for the regional game, but grassroots game below that. Mm. So, but the, cash cash the, is important. That is, I agree. You're right, and 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 the stats were compelling. But the consequence is, you're going to get a game in America against Italy with none of the frontline Irish players. Yes. Yeah. Who cares? That, Who that's, cares? That's probably the bit for me that is worse. The in my mind, you should not have any games outside the the international window. Well, and, and, the, and the post twenty nineteen, I think we will have that. Hang but... on. So, Ireland are taking their team to America to play Italy. Uh, Is that right? And they are playing them yeah. in Chicago, Chicago or New York. So, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think that's really smart because ultimately, Johnny Sexton does not sell tickets in Chicago. True. The green shirt of Ireland sells tickets in in Chicago. So I actually think they've got like a double hit there. They've got one of the world's biggest brands in rugby, i.e. the Irish the, the Irish shirt. Yeah. Plus the Irish community there. Plus some, there must be a couple of second generation Italians that might that might, that might be interested. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you get to play in Chicago and grow the game. Uh, that is So maybe yeah, maybe that one on its Yeah, that's st- as a standalone. Well, okay, yeah, well, don't, don't televise that. it then. Just just, uh, just sell the tickets to the people locally that can go and see an island team. But who cares about it as an actual international spectacle because it isn't Ireland. Yeah, it isn't Ireland. But I tell you what, if I had some spare time and a spare friend to go with, I would go <laughs> to Chicago to watch that game. Oh, <laughs> no, I'd be there with you. <laughs> yeah. But everyone's busy with kids. Not that I'm uh, bitter in any way about <laughs> kids or busyness. Why aren't you busy with your kid? I, I could take a weekend off to go to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to come to Chicago with me, just hit me up on Twitter. We'll see what we can do. 
You've got you're, you're, beho- you're beholden to Tok H, not to not to your daughter. Uh, yeah, actually, Tok H might might be playing. Um, the other thing I was going to say, actually, when is that game? Is it last weekend of the? It's not last weekend, is it? First weekend, next next weekend. Oh, this oh oh, interesting. There you go. So yeah, if anyone wants to go to Chicago with JB, better get on it quick. Yeah, get, <laughs> text me now. Get there a few days early. Do Halloween again. Oh, what what a Ooh. night that was! Our, our Halloween in Chicago last time around. Was it memories? Bet Nick Kennedy told him that his mum's an author. It was great. <laughs> his face when you said that to him. <laughs> oh, Nick Kennedy, your mum's an author. <laughs> what? How do you? Uh... Yeah. Hey, uh, he'll remember you though. That's uh, <laughs> it's a great little technique for meeting someone, yeah. making an impression. Exactly. <laughs> I, I tried the same trick with Luke Naraway, his dad's butcher in New York a few years later. Didn't go down so well. <laughs> Wasn't so impressed. <laughs> yeah, what of it? Okay. <sighs> Didn't you do it with Hugh Vivian in some ways? Well, you've got you've got six brothers, haven't you? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Hugh Vivian, six brothers. Hugh Vivian. They, they, six brothers. They put out yeah, a, a seventy. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, got it, mate. Got it. Understood. <laughs> Uh, so we will talk more in more depth about the Autumn Internationals, obviously, in the next podcast. But yeah. just tying into that, we should talk about the new structure of the rugby season that Phil just mentioned briefly then. Yeah, the, specifically the Premiership season. So this is the English Premiership season, hasn't it? I don't, I've not seen, unless I've missed it, uh, uh, an equivalent announcement for, say, Pro 14 or Top 14. No, no, I haven't either. So run me through what the new season or the structure will look like. So some of the headlines, because they've not given um, any of the kind of real in-depth detail, but some of the headlines. So there are going to be mid-season breaks. Um, There's also going to be mandatory post- and pre-season rest period for all players, which includes any England squad players have mandatory 10 weeks of rest of which five will be complete rest and five will be kind of active, non-playing rest. Okay. Uh, and there'll also be a minimum of 12 weeks between the final of the season and the first game of the season. None of this top 14 finishing on the, the Sunday and then the st- season starts again the following... Monday. Following Monday, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That 12, good. 12 hours of pre-season. Well, I'll tell you something interesting. I mean, some of the boys in Pro 14, it's Pro 14, top 14... Um, are just away from their clubs now. I mean, literally away on, like, not quite sabbatical, but like two, three, four week breaks. Just rest. Yeah, yeah. Completely rest. They've, they've, they've gone away. People who are. I, I want to know how they're enforcing this. Uh, you know, you must have 10. EPS members must have 10 weeks break, including five weeks uh, nothing, and then five weeks active. Are they going to have, like, uh, you know, like people when they're sort of in the halfway house, not in prison, but have a little thing, ankle, little thing around their ankle? They're oh, going to have, yeah. like, a. A Fitbit linked directly to the RFU, and they'll check if their heart rate goes above a certain level. Now, hang on a minute. Back on that sofa. No, wait. <laughs> because I seem to think this is a film premise from somewhere, and they had to keep their heart rate up. Not speed, because that was speed. Yeah. But I'm sure, right, there is like a Jason Statham film or something like that, where he's got to run around and keep his heart rate up, or he'll die. If that isn't a film, <laughs> that needs to be. I think so. I definitely have not seen this film. I might have heard, but I can't quite work out. Someone, someone, tweet us at Rugby Podcast or get in touch on Facebook uh, and let us know: is that a film? It is. Like, have we dreamt that? And the other one. So this would be the opposite, wouldn't it? If they yeah, if their yeah. heart rate raises too much, yeah, they should get like an electric shock. Do you know, like those dog collars which go off <laughs> when they walk past the flags? Yeah, that's what they should do. They should also get a little electric shock. It's clever, isn't it? The shock would then, like, m- m- the adrenaline would start pumping yeah. from the shock, and then it would just be a compound. It'd just be getting shocked permanently. I'm so anxious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, just to add to what Phil said then about about this new setup. So, the Premiership final will be in June, early June. Yeah. Uh, England summer tours will take place in the first three weeks of July. July. And so the Premiership season will now start uh, sort of the second or third week in September rather than the start of September. Yeah. However, however, what Phil also touched on, if, if you're an England squad member and you play in those three summer matches, you won't actually be able to start playing for your club again 
until like the middle to end of October, by which time you're into autumn internationals. So the one issue, I mean, it's clearly got to play a welfare angle and I think it will benefit the England team. However, one thing I do think is going to become apparent potentially is it's even less worthwhile having an England player in your club side. Yeah, they will be they will be less valuable again to to the club side. And that also available. has an effect on anyone playing fantasy rugby draft as well. When we draft next year, uh, so factor in. Yeah, I wonder if this is just another move to make it more, almost to make it like it's so not worth having England players in your team that you eventually say, "Look, England, just take them, just take them, centrally contract them." And it almost goes like the well, the, the cricket way of doing things. Yeah. Or you have the full full on central contract contracts, if I can say it. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I I like the fact that... that I mean, I think we need to be limiting games. Well, Fine. so they, they do that. So the the game limits, you, there's a max maximum 35 match involvement involvements of greater than 20 minutes and a maximum 30 full involvements, which has been reduced from... 30 games 30, a season. It's a lot. Reduced from 32. Hang on. It is, it is still a lot. But 32 games a season is enormous. Yes, it's yeah, enormous. I, I think it's gonna it's gonna increase the disparity between top level players. I've already mentioned that a lot of England players won't be able to play at all before December for their club, or very minimally. Maybe they'll play a couple of European Cup games, yeah. but that'll be it. Yeah. Um. Between yeah, between June, July, and the start of December, they may only play European Cup mainly before Christmas. Um, but then you're going to have squad players getting flogged. And I think it might sort of increase the disparity. You're going to have these guys that aren't on the on the big money that are going to have trouble sleeping, you know, because they're in, in constant pain when they retire, um, just getting worked into the ground. And you're going to have the top players looked after a little bit more. And it's going to benefit the England team. But if you're looking at player welfare, I'm not... T- I'm not completely sure it's all got its ducks in a line. Mm, maybe. I, I think the other thing as well is it doesn't... The argument for me that they're just going to get bigger squads and this will sort out, you know, let's raise the salary cap, let's have bigger squads and therefore we can spread the workload over all these players doesn't really wash for me because you're never going to be playing your wider squad, are you, if you want to win a game. You're going to be playing your best available squad because ultimately these things cost jobs. So even though they might get bigger uh, salary caps to help manage the squads and although there might be limits, there's still going to be pressure to play your best club players. Even if you're, And that's going to be compounded again if your international players have gone. That, that's where clever, cleverer compilation of squads um, comes in and other non-player things come in. So better strength and conditioning, better coaching mm. to allow teams to do things like Saracens and Exeter have been doing for the last few years, which is well, it doesn't really matter if you play uh, Lazowski or Marcelo Bosch. Yeah, I mean, they are in such a privilege. Lewington or Maitland. That is true, but they're in such a privileged position, they can do that. They they are. Every other club, you would have thought, you know, there'd be another club somewhere that could do something similar, but the fact is, they're so desperate to be where Saracens and Exeter are, they will play the same squad week in, week out, as many of their better players as they can week in week out but then they're they're not if they're doing that they're not trying to be like Saracens or Exeter because yeah. they're not doing yeah. the same thing Exeter and Saracens haven't just clicked their fingers and got to that point no, it's been a steady not. slow painstaking process yeah. yeah and I wonder if the I wonder if part of that is just management now or should I say ownership now of premiership clubs they're just not willing to wait in the same way that Saracens and Exeter were well there is there's always going to be in sport a reactionary element. And rugby's not quite as bad as uh, Premier League football, or top-level football. But if you're putting money into something, a lot of people will demand success. Mm. Which is, it does, it contradicts some of the long-term values that we've, we've spoken Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, yeah. Uh, so, both in favour for the new club structure or not? What about the Lions? We've not even spoken about that yet. So, there is going to mm. be. Again, mandatory rest periods. So there's two things to the Lions. There's mandatory rest periods for England players and Lions players uh, who play in England after the World Cup and the Lions tournament. But also there's a conflict between player availability and the Lions or potential future Lions tours. Mm. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean... If they... So there'll be a Premiership final. The next Lions tour uh, in South Africa will be a Premiership final. Then the following week will be the first game in a scaled-down tour, which has gone from seven weeks to five weeks, in which there'll be eight games. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of people who, are, you know, Lions, Fran Cotton, Saria McGeek, and people like that that have have said this is this is slowly killing the Lions, and you're going to make it something that's redundant. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but yeah. I can see people that that love it uh, for what it is. I've got concerns. When Lions isn't on, I don't really care too much about it. You know, I kind of think it's a bit of a relic. Um, it is nice, but if it's going to go, it's going to go, and so be it. When it's on, however, I do not feel like that in the slightest. I can't focus on anything else when yeah. the Lions is on. It's, not- it's all I do a podcast in three or four times a week. Just, yeah, just to talk more and more about lions. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I, I guess the obvious one is to bin the LV Cup like they did last, like they did last time. Was that because of, because of the World Cup? No, it was because of the lions. They just got got rid of just, it. Yeah, just don't do it that year. So maybe that's the answer. I don't know. Great. Have you, have you been to follow the lions tour physically? Yes. In person, Bill. Uh, I haven't. No. No, I've not. I think I think we're gonna have to. I think we're going to have to do something with this next one. And we've got a little while to talk about it and think about it, but we're going to have to. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that wouldn't be a terrible idea, would it? <laughs> and the, the worst the, idea. The, you know, we could, start, we could start saving our pennies, but the Rand, hopefully, will still be uh, on its ass. And... Oh, we hope. I mean, if, I, what I hope for, personally, more than anything else, is civil, and strength, uh, civil un- unrest in, uh, in South Africa. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm really hoping for. But not too much. Yeah. So, we we'll really good, Just really, mild, mild civil yeah, discomfort. Yeah, yes. like, a really, really uh, good Brexit deal. And then real civil strife in South Africa. That would be ideal for me, really. <laughs> so, yeah. Here's hoping. So, in favour of, of, of the new season or not? I am definitely in, fla- in favour of more player rest. How it all quite fits together. Until I think we've actually seen it in action. The, the finish of the season, the summer tours, the player rest, when they come back. Until we see that work, I'm not sure. Because... It does. If if England players aren't available in the in the Premiership at all until say Christmas, then that does devalue the product a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it does. I don't know. But it, it's a it's a tough balance between having the best players involved all the time and actually getting the best uh, rugby at all time and looking after the players. Because if, if you're trying to put the best players out week in week out and make them play forty games a year. They are not going to be playing forty games a year. No, I think I, they need to be playing no more than twenty a year. Is my opinion. Twenty is uh, not a lot. Well, NFL sixteen plus playoffs. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's the sort of level that I'd be thinking of. Hmm. I think. It, well, I think it will. I think it will benefit the England team. I think there are going to be some issues that will need to be addressed, and it kind of feels like it's going a little bit more like the cricket model. It, the English cricket model is actually sort of how I potentially see it looking a bit more. I completely where, agree with that. Um, but then those players are owned by the English cricket board, and yeah. that would be the easiest thing. And the easiest thing to do, I think, is for the RFU to buy Premiership Rugby. Yes. Or Premiership Rugby to buy the RFU. <laughs> one, one or the other, but then both to be aligned together. Well, but, I wonder who would be more likely to buy who, because... If Premiership Rugby do their deal with this mega hedge fund, CVC, uh, yeah, firm, firm, I mean, you know, it looks like actually 
the people with the cash no longer are the RFU. Mm. That'll be an interesting one. Mm, it will be. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, just to touch on a point that you mentioned before about the um, Premiership Rugby Cup or Premiership Cup, whatever it's called. Um, did you see the Lazowski ban? Yes. Oh my word! I want I've this. I've got this on my list of things to bring up. I'm glad you did. Right, Be- because we mentioned before. So there were some mixed teams in the Premiership Cup. Uh, Worcester were one who put out not quite, but nearly a, a first team. But Lazowski's ban was deemed that he couldn't or wouldn't or couldn't take part in the Premiership. I have got something as a real very, game. very profound to say about this. But let, let me let me but, very let no, me no. very briefly summarise it for no, anyone no, no. that doesn't know. You can so, summarise it. Summarise it after we talk about, about uh, talk about Cornerstone, Tim. I'm tra- absolutely. I'm trying to build a tease. Honest- <laughs> <laughs> Tim is going to have some razor sharp opinions on Alex Lazowski in a moment. But what you need is the razor sharp precision engineered grooming that only a cornerstone razor can bring you in that beautiful cornerstone presentation box with your six razors and your free aluminium weighty engraved shaft amazing these other people just trying to copy what cornerstone have been doing with egg chasers for ages with their plastic razors forget that get one engraved with your initials for free because you listen to us you get all that with no obligation but we think you want to continue and check out some of the other wonderful products that you can get as well but four quid four quid cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers that's cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers or egg 10 check out buy razors buy them now <laughs> right so alex lazowski played in the european cup um, had two incidents in the game where uh, he was cite- uh, cited or there was the sighting commissioners wanted to have a look. Uh, one was a, a tackle on Rory Jackson, which got thrown out and dismissed. And Rory Jackson himself said, look, there's nothing to see. Honestly, it was nothing. Please don't don't give him anything for that. And they went, no, no, nothing to see there. Another one was a clear out um, at a ruck, which was deemed dangerous and for which he got given a ban, which was extended by a week because the powers that be said, um, oh, you're not likely to play in the Premiership Rugby Cup. So we'll add a week on that so that, you know, because that wouldn't be fair otherwise despite the fact that in other cases they haven't added weeks, which was a bit odd. Anyway, so Alex Ozofsky, um appealed against that. They took that ban away and said, actually, do you know what, fair cop, that wasn't worth a ban. We'll take that one away. However, we now want to uh, want to go back and open up the case for that tackle on Rory Jackson that we said there was nothing to see here. We'll be back to you and let's have a hearing in due course. Um, it, it looks bizarre. I don't know what's going on. So all I can assume is that Henry Slade has provided ample biscuits for these multiple hearings to ensure <laughs> that he gets the number 13 jersey for the first test uh, against South Africa. It is... I, I've got to be careful what I say it because I've got a very... You know, I've, look, I've got to be careful what I say. I've got a good good friend who does, the, does these disciplinary things, so you know, I don't want to upset anyone. But this is head-scratching. I mean, this is. I mean, first and for, first and foremost, who do you think they are that they can say we don't think you're going to play in this game? Therefore, we're going to extend your ban just in case you decided to play in that game. Well, he's on. He's he would be unable to play in the game because he's in the England squad. So he's in Portugal. Yeah. So he can't play in the game. But, but, but however, just, however, Saracens named um, a n other as their <laughs> as their twenty third man on the bench. Um, because they were they were signifying to EPCR, look, you know, we're, we're going to put him on the bench if he's available, um, <laughs> or, or at least that's that that might have been the message that they were trying to get out there. They only actually they, fully announced their their twenty third player um, much hour. closer to the game. Yeah, it was an hour or so before kickoff, wasn't it? Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, I, I just don't. I, <laughs> I I wonder if this has got anything to do with Steve Diamond. <laughs> You, <laughs> you, you often ponder that, don't you? I, I do. I, if, I, if there's a pothole in the road, yeah. If, if someone, if a doctor has saved a life, yeah. If there's a new school being built, you think, wonder if Steve Diamond's involved in this. I wonder how Diamond would have handled this situation. <laughs> but I, I, it's a serious point. I wonder if Steve Diamond was involved because when Chris Ashton got banned, 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure they scheduled another pre-season game against Sale FC <laughs> in order to just shorten his ban. Yeah. And then, uh, they, then I think the Times looked into it and said, um, I'm, I'm not sure you were going to play that game, were you? <laughs> it, never, it just all of a sudden appeared. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if they're a little bit sensitive to things like that. Because, uh, well, because of... Clubs you know, are trying to get round. Trying to get round it. There again, it is a fixture. It and is. You're quite right. Yeah, what if... Um, it was, was, wasn't there something a few years ago with Sonny Bill coming back from a... Oh, the game of three halves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what was that? To, they managed to argue that that was two games. <laughs> and the, the, so there was that. And wasn't there another one where there was like a like a Mitre Cup warm-up game that he... Yeah. Uh, could have been named in, yeah. And the, so it's like a tier three or tier f- whatever it is, uh, if you count international as a top level. And then he it makes himself available for in an inter- international game. Yeah, well, I mean, those are the rules. Uh, look, if you're going to enforce the laws, uh, at least abide by the laws as they are written down. And if you are eligible to play a game, I, I don't see any problem with that. I mean, what if? Saracens had a very publicly and well-documented rotation strategy of two on, two off. And then, well, you weren't going to play these anyway, mate, so we want to make sure you're affected for when you're affected. Yeah, so seven. you have a seven-game ban, and that takes uh, 12 weeks yeah. to implement. So I don't like it. Don't like it. One, well, one I mean, I actually don't mind the principle of them saying, well, you're away in Portugal with the English squad. You're not, you're not, you're not going to play in that game, let's be honest. No, so because they're not the laws. Well, no, I don't, I don't mind. Well, I don't mind that. The, the the issue I have, and it's the same when you look at the the high tackle situation, which uh, you know I kind of look at and think it's an absolute mess. But uh, part of that is the the fact that it's not applied consistently across the board. There are some players that 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 this Lazowski approach is done for, and there's some that aren't. And Danny Cipriani, with an with an accidentally but high tackle, suffered a three game ban. What? And, Billy Torquies and and CJ Stander get absolutely nothing. Oh my! Oh my word, Tim! In game, I just don't get it. You're not allowed to say these sort of things. Oh, I know. I I know. I'm I'm advocating for brain damage by by questioning that. Exactly. I know. Unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. You've been on Twitter too long, mate. That's just that's that is Twitter at the minute. It really is, with no exaggeration. Uh, The pro brain damage against the anti brain damage. Two very distinct camps there. Here. um... Moving the conversation. Oh, sorry. Moving the conversation on, on slightly. Uh, I played Tilsley this week. Okay, Tilsley Rugby Club in the northwest. Talk H versus Tilsley. Talk H versus Tilsley. Which, yeah. which we won. And the reason I bring up Talk H versus Tilsley, I thought it'd be an apt time, is because they were literally the hardest bunch of men I have played against in about five years. Okay. And it's almost like a, a public thank you for thank you to Tilsley for reminding me how the game how the game used to be played. So <laughs> we, we we were in a mall, and their mall was not going backwards any any time soon, and we were losing quite much. So I thought, do I'll do the thing which has got me out of trouble multiple times, which is I'll throw myself to deck and hope that the mass of humanity will fall over. Everyone me. will just trip over you. Yeah, and it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Very rarely do you get stood on. Not yesterday. Not yesterday. <laughs> For the first time in five years, I have had my beloved stud marks. Back up, back on my back, <laughs> and lots of them too. Did you have the full full eight all walking over you? Uh, yes, full eight, and then maybe a couple of the centres, and maybe the scrum half all bind on as well. Yeah, like, and also a couple of kicks on, like, like on the way out. Yeah, I mean that was a, that was only that was only the tip of the iceberg to exactly exactly how they played. But it did remind me of a simpler time. Where there wasn't just one way to win a rugby game, which was lots and lots of skills, and it actually yeah, about physical intimidation and every, and everything else. And although it was horrible at the time, I truly appreciated it when I pulled off my top and I was like, "Oh, you got stud marks, yeah, one of it." <laughs> so yeah, I thought I'd, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd just bring that up. You're so hard, JB. So, uh, well, I didn't feel didn't I, what, what didn't look so hard. I was squealing like a girl. <laughs> ow, 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 ow! It hurts. <laughs> no, 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 I bet at, at the bottom of the ruck, as uncomfortable as it was at the time, you were thinking, "I deserve this." Oh, I so deserved it. And that's the other thing. I was like, "I won't do that again." Yeah, you're, uh, you're trying to cheat. I was trying to cheat. I was trying to cheat. I deserved everything that I got. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, ruck justice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you love a bit of ruck justice. I just too. thought like. This is what we're missing. You know, it's, 
we've gone down the road now where there's fewer and fewer ways to win a game. Where I think back in the day, there are so many different ways to win a game, whether it be out and out cheating, Neil back knocking a ball into the scrum against Munster, you know, 99 calls. Oh, I, I know, I'm, I sound like a nostalgic, a nostalgic, stupid old man. You do sound like an old man saying it was better in my day. You sound exactly like that. Yeah, well, I don't say it was better in my day. It's just, you know, just different. It was good to see a prideful bun- bun- a bunch of men take the field for their town, and that, and that's how, that's how they played. And you can do that less and less now because the game doesn't really allow for as much intimidation as it once did. Well, I think part of it is we the the job of a referee is incredibly hard. Yeah, it's so difficult and so nuanced and. Uh, and part of it is there was actually the players took a bit of responsibility. And again, I'm not doing a. It was better. It's just how it was. And the game is not gone soft. It's just, it's tougher than it ever has been. These players are, are more athletic and more powerful than they ever have been. The collisions are bigger than they ever have been. Mm. But from the refereeing point of view, he didn't have to do as much because the players took that upon themselves. Exactly. I'm starting to think that high class athletes like Pierre Speaks have ruined our game for everyone in the, in the lower down leagues that's what I'm, I'm starting to feel yeah speaking of refereeing decisions um, have you seen the Munster Glasgow end of the game I've not, I've not yes s- I have I've not seen the game but I've seen the last couple of rooks yeah madness isn't it it's, it seems crazy so Munster Munster won 25-24 thanks to a last ditch penalty and Let's, I can't let, work out who's meant to be getting that ball. Can you? Well, the some of the rooking from the the Munster side, Munster, Munster were defending Glasgow, who were carrying the ball forward, pick and go to try and wait, uh, close the game out, wear the clock down, and there were multiple Munster players not support, not even close. I mean, Peter O'Mahony was two feet in the air with hands on the ball at, uh, at the the rook just before the final rook, and referee. Let, let play on and then at the final rook there were multiple players going for the ball not all of whom had both feet on the ground none of whom were properly supporting their own body weight and yet Munster got the penalty and won it seemed like it seemed an impossible as you said before Tim an impossible decision for a referee to make uh, because both teams were doing some untoward things and there's multiple bodies in every direction now, who's but it to just blame seemed for this? like a terrible terrible decision Who's to blame? Yeah. Uh, well, referee got it wrong. Yeah, but I mean, I, what I mean by that is like, who is to blame when a team scores a legitimate try, but it's not allowed because all the players are coached to dive around the ball so the TMO, TMO can't see it? Do you see what I mean? Like, so, it, so is I, it, that, that seems like a very different question. Yes, but so, that's the question you're asking. Well, why is it different? Why was it a different question? Because what because we're, we're trying not to get talking to about a try. We're is, talking, we're no, talking no, no, about no, 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 no. So what I'm saying is, has the referee been put in a difficult situation by the savvy of the players to force well, that decision? I don't actually think the players are being that savvy in this. Have you seen it? Yeah, I, I mean, it looks like a complete mess. And it it I, is a complete mess. But like some, I mean, some players clearly know what they're doing. You know, I mean, they're all... <laughs> well, they're not rooking is, is what they're doing. I mean, one's illegal, the next one's illegal, the next one's illegal. They're all off their feet. And I wonder if, if there's some sort of conditioning there or, you know, tactics at play, which is like, hey, if he's not going to make a decision or if we're going to force him into a decision, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do these things. Um, yes. So I, I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, I'm not sure it was the case in this. I think they were just... Rather than trying to hide what was going on, I think they were just being too uh, passionate at, at competing for the ball and therefore breaking the laws. And the referee just got it wrong. Yeah. I don't think they were trying to cover... I don't think it was like a, two men trying to cover Peter Omani supermanning over the top of a rook. So, back in the day... I know I've already done this, done this once before, right? The good old, back in the good old days. Yeah. Did there not used to be a law? And if not a law, there was... Oh, there was an unwritten There were certain situations where a ball would be deemed unplayable at the ruck and they'd just restart with a scrum to the team that took it in. Have I made that up? Uh, well, they do it now if it's a, if Maul's called. So, yeah, Maul's called, uh, it's unplayable. Oh, if, if the ball in a ruck is unplayable. Yeah, I'm sure back in the day, like, if it got really messy in a ruck, like, unplayable, 
Uh, and it was I mean, the I, team going forward. Yeah, I mean that was a long time ago before the rocks changed substantially. But I'm sure that was the case. Now this to me looks completely unplayable. Um, well, it was, it was made it was made unplayable yeah. by people going people not trying to rook properly. Yeah. Oh well. So yeah, bad decision. But well, is it a bad decision? I think so. It was one of those fifty-fifty calls. It could have been a penny either way. It it could have been you're right, but for me the the probably more obvious seemed to be the monster. Uh, but yeah, I think it was was it CJ Stander just kind of um, some rather reckless well, use of the head. CJ Stander took out the man without the ball prior yes. to, prior to the second rook as well. Yeah, yeah. So there was multiple rook offences. And there was CJ Stander tackling someone else. CJ Stander must have like a cloak of invisibility based on the last <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> the Richie McCaw school of uh, yeah. infringing. The more highly rated you yeah. are, the less wrong you can possibly do. I mean, it's, it's a characteristic. You need to win a World Cup. An amazing <laughs> world-class 10, they've got that. And scrum half, they've got that. Yep. And uh, a back row player with a cloak of invisibility. Yeah. It all looks pretty good to me. Put your money on Ireland. Uh, just have a look at the videos now. Uh, no, not that. Well, speaking of a cloak of invisibility, actually, that just reminds me. Did you see the the farce that was the the graphics in Bledisloe Three? Yes, I saw the sponsor, this. <laughs> the, the sponsors uh, were superimposed by the the broadcaster onto the pitch rather than being painted on the pitch. Which I'm all for in the sense that I hate it when the kits get ruined by the paint like, that we'll probably see at Twickenham next weekend. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, there was a glitch in the Matrix, meaning that you couldn't see a bunch of the Australian players. There was one bit where um, Will Genya was reaching into a ruck and all you could see was his head and his sock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Blue screens didn't go... Was it blue screen or green? It can't be a green screen, can it? That'd be ridiculous. I don't know what the technology's called, but it didn't look good. Yeah. It was a glitch. It's small. A small technical glitch. Uh, no, a listener tweeted me the other day. I think it's a listener. I can't remember who tweeted. Oh, sorry, sorry. Before you go on, the, the other brilliant, ironic thing about that was the picture was terrible and um, it was glitching and everything. The, the sponsor was Canon, a company. Oh, wow. It's yeah. All about you know visually being crisp and clear and everything. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Uh, I, no, I was going to go into some. Um, uh, some chat uh, about the autumns and the teams that are playing, but actually, I'm not going to do that because let's do that later. We'll, d- we'll later do that tomorrow. Yeah. Um, just on the other Pro 14 results. Um, so Ospreys uh, edge past Connacht at home. Ulster comfortably beat Dragons in the end, 36-18, um, with uh, McCloskey doing the business. Zebra beat Edinburgh. Uh, good win for Zebra. Mm. Scarlets won away at the, the Kings. Cheetahs beat Cardiff. The Munster narrowly beat, uh, edged past Glasgow. And JB's beloved Benetton got a bit of a hiding at home to uh, Leinster. Yeah, they weren't good this weekend. Uh, let's put it that way. It wasn't a full-blooded Leinster team, which was great to see in a Pro 14 game. Well, full-blooded <sighs> except for Johnny Sexton. So... <sighs> Right, oh, I'm not going to get into it. Fine, yeah, done. Uh, shame because uh, the boys have been playing pretty well this season. Um, you know, their uh, tails uh, are certainly up. Uh, so to lose 31-3 at home isn't particularly cool. Five tries to zero as well. Yeah, so I, there's not really much more I want to say about that. No, fine. Uh, not nowhere near as good a start to the season as last year. Uh, lost, well, played seven, only, only won three. So yeah, I think they'll they'll that they'll pick that they'll pick up, but not a tremendous start, sadly. Uh, Phil, what do you make uh, Ulster's Twitter game with their try gifts? Is um, I don't know if it's brilliant or an abomination. I, I can't I can't quite make up my mind. All of these are. <laughs> I think that they're, they're so awful that they actually come across as quite entertaining. So I, I'll yeah. I'll let them slide. I'll let, I'll let all of these slide. What? Will, Will Addison didn't score this week. Uh, so he set up the first, was it first try or I mean, he try. must have been involved somehow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and in, the, and in the Ireland squad. 
And in the Ireland squad. Great news. Great news for everyone. Well, yeah, great news for everyone. 46-man Ireland squad, obviously, because they're, ta- they're going to send a load of um, the second string out to, to Chicago. Got to and... start somewhere. Oh, no, no, totally. I'm not, I'm not, not knocking it. I'm just saying it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, one thing Eddie Jones said is, oh, no, we'll get into that. We'll get into that tomorrow. No, do you know what? I will... Um, I just want to say one thing, a, a little stash watch thing. We had the total farce of the of the kit in the Cardiff-Glasgow game last week. Um, on the flip side, I just want to say, awesome job, Gloucester. I'm, I'm not a fan of novelty kits normally, but I love their little kit that they've dusted off for this weekend and over this Premiership Rugby Cup weekend, where they've got their cherry and white hoops, but with a load of poppies all over it. Oh, lovely. Mm. It, was, it was good. It's a nice touch. Yeah. It's a nice touch. That's good. Did you, did you see the Glasgow response or the, their Instagram post about the kit? No. What's this? So they did on Friday, I think it was, they did a breaking Instagram post. To avoid, oh, no, I've seen this, yes. To avoid a repeat of last week's kit clash, uh, Macron have designed Glasgow a new alternate third strip to wear against Munster at Tormund Park later today. Yeah. And it's a bright red. That's oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Lols. Very, very, very well handled by uh, by Glasgow. I, I do have to say that the, the the social media efforts by rugby clubs is improving. It's it's generally been awful, yeah, uh, for, for the last little while. But it is improving, and I think newcomers on the block, Bristol, are, are kind of making everyone else up their game a little bit. It feels to me like do you know there's only five nuclear powers for the longest time. Yeah, and then slowly nuclear pro- uh, like nuclear uh, proliferation creeps in, and before you know it, uh, people are binning off treaties, and now we've got an arms race again. It feels <laughs> like that. Like there was a sort of date on around social media. No one did anything particularly good, but now, now it's you know, all hand, all hands, all hands to the pumps. So and everyone's got a sense of humour on social yes. media. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else can you? What else you, can you do? You kind of well, got to. It makes it makes it better than the better than the Twitter cesspit you can op- often find talking about rugby after games. Ooh. So yeah, all for it. Honestly, I I go on Twitter less and less every day. I think I'm I'm gradually going to make the move to Instagram and just sack Twitter off. It's uh, and just look you, at pictures of coffee. You don't you don't want to correct everything that everyone has ever said ever, Tim, on Twitter. I, I, I do want to, but I just have to walk away and leave it. Otherwise, that urge <laughs> will just bubble up too much, which is what I don't like. Uh, yeah, I, I just use it to make sure everything's functioning properly. So almost like a, an emotional MOT. So I'll go and seek out the outrage just to make sure you know the, the, you know the right the right sort of beats per minute are happening and that kind of thing. I can almost tell when you're bored midweek because oh. there'll be a you you will post some kind of inflammatory article, be it about <laughs> about rugby or politics or yeah, mostly about those. Yeah, things. usually on, on the chat. JB just pulls a pin and leaves it, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. exactly. And I'm like, oh, JB's bored. Yep. <laughs> Right. It's so much, it's so much nicer and friendlier, and there's more holiday snaps on Instagram, Jay. <laughs> there is, there is. Uh, right, well, let's leave it there because we'll be back tomorrow with some chat about the autumn internationals, which is all fine and dandy. But until then, you can find us on Instagram and well, the aforementioned Instagram and the aforementioned Twitter at Ruby Podcast. Leave reviews on Apple uh, Podcasts or whatever they're called. And uh, yeah, until tomorrow when we'll see you again, let the boys play. And here's a quick tease. One of the questions I want you to think about as a bit of homework, mm. this is not, not to you two, well, to all of us, but which number jersey do you think Manu will be wearing when Eddie Jones announces his team? Because it's, uh, it's been quite a bit of debate going on about whether he should uh, have 12 or 13. So um, there we go. Interesting. Interesting. A little bit of homework. Give that a bit of thought. Um, yeah, looking forward to it already. Yeah, excellent. All right. See you tomorrow. Bye. Nice one. I'm, I'm going to have to run. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.